0: Happy Thursday, ladies and gentlemen. So before we dive in, I just want to first apologize. This is my first show of the week because it was a bad week for my guests getting sick. So we didn't have a show Monday. We didn't have a show Tuesday. We didn't have a show Wednesday. And my 11 a.m. Eastern Time show today was out sick as well. (laughs) So this is actually my first show of the week. So I apologize for the delay because I don't want to get on and just randomly talk. So Figured we, we will wait for today's guest, and I believe he's going to be worth the wait. But first, this is episode number 208 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, Robert B. Foster. So, again, I usually don't do it at this time, but, you know, you got to make got to make adjustments when, when you find people that you really want to talk to. And so if you're brand new, if you're joining me over on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you're joining me on Facebook, please like and share. And let me share a quick little bit about myself and then we'll get going. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. Starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. All that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life. And that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. All right. So, for today's teachable moment, so I've pieced together the, my next six people for the next all-star panel. So now it's not these six. These guys were in the last panel. But this is the graphic that I use to display them. And so that next panel is going to be on February 19th. And it's all about self-love and how to love yourself when the world may not love you. Right? So that's going to be a powerful, powerful topic. And again, I brought six of my former guests are coming back to tackle this one. And they're all dynamic people, dynamic personalities, and they're all very heart centered people. So that's gonna be one heck of a panel. So mark your calendars. It's February nineteenth, it's a Saturday. It'll be from eleven AM Eastern till about one fifteen or so. And that uh, de- definitely if you struggle in the self esteem, self confidence, self love departments, that's one that's definitely gonna open up your eyes. So All right, so now it's time to bring on my guest, and I got to say, you know, I can sit here, and I can read the bio and all that other stuff, but I just want to say, he showed up with a Spartan shirt on. That right there tells you everything. So people who know me, you guys know I'm big into Spartan races. I bring my clients to Spartan races. My kids do them, like my oldest daughter does them with me, and we can do an entire episode on how Spartan racing translates into everyday life, but... For now, we'll just talk about the, the intro, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll start the intro talking a little bit about that. But first, welcome, Hike, to the show. Good morning.
1: Thank you. Good morning,
0: Rob. Uh, it's an honor and a pleasure. Thanks for having me on your show. And uh, you said the first
1: show of the week because everybody's getting sick. Yeah. Same thing on my team. Everybody got sick back to back to back. So I'll yes. do my best
0: to make sure we have a good first show of the week. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So I know I said good morning because you're off on the West Coast, right? Yeah, yeah, Washington State. It is 11 a.m. Okay, Washington State. All right. Are you originally from there? Uh, no, I'm actually born and raised in Armenia. Okay. Uh,
1: we moved to the United States 20 years ago now, even 20 years uh, uh, between LA,
0: Oregon, but most of my adult life has been here in Washington, Seattle, so yeah, okay. Alright, yeah, you know what? We're definitely gonna get into into the the Armenia talk because I remember from our our last conversation, like the the real bulk of your story is was in that that transition. But first and foremost, yo, know, we gotta talk about the Spartan shirt, man. How'd you get into Spartan racing? You know, I wasn't planning to wear it. I woke up this morning and I'm looking at my
1: drawer, and, and by the way, my wife hates the Spartan shirt. She loves that I do Spartan races, but she's like your entire closet is Spartan. <laughs> in race shirts you yep. know to me i'm like you know if i can earn it and if i can make it look good to me that is worth more than the gucci than the versace than anything else out there right so to me exactly. I, I i wear a lot of these race shirts with pride uh and you know it does strike a conversation it helps me inspire sometimes it helps me to just recruit people into the race i don't get paid for yes. it but i know it there's a lot of good things for people so uh yes. yeah i've been a hardcore spartan fan um you know i got into it as a fun thing you know maybe five six years ago just to do it um you know, uh, one of the things that if you ask me to describe myself, I'm very competitive. So I got super mm-hmm. into it. Uh, last year, I had my best. I, I came in seventh in my in, a, in the Spartan race. So this year, my goal is to try to rank in top three. Nice. Uh, one of my goals is to come in in the podium. Um, I didn't think I could. Uh, but with a lot of the cardio I've been doing recently, my speed's been picking up. I've been losing a lot of weight. So I'm in a in a weight bracket where I think I might be able to keep up with some of those top guys. So that's the goal mm-hmm. this year. So I'm very proud Spartan member here. So, and I now have like 20 shirts, so I keep on wearing them on, ro- on rotation.
0: <laughs> I love it. It's, yeah. See, what people don't realize too, that each one tells a story. Like I'll put, I'll put up a, a, a glimpse of my, my Spartan walls. Nice. You know, well, just my obstacle race wall. Like I have my tough mother wall. I have a wall of all Spartans and I have a wall of local races and it's not so much to say, Oh, wow, look what I did. But it's yeah. like, I can look at each medal. And then there's a story that goes into each one. Like, I think back to my first Spartan race. Now, I had done a couple other ones. I think I did a Warrior Dash. I did a couple local ones. They were kind of easy. And so I went into that first Spartan kind of (laughs) cocky. I was like, I'm going to crush this race. And it was very humbling. Like, the other races I did, I mean, there were some little hills. And this one was just, like, steep up steep down steep up steep down like every obstacle was like physically taxing mm-hmm. so between that and the hills like it was it was brutal like I, I skipped a few obstacles I, I didn't do all of my burpees and but I, I look back at that medal and like and it's humbling you know because mm-hmm. like some people say if you don't do everything you shouldn't you shouldn't take a medal but it's like I took that medal as a sign of the ass kicking that I took mm-hmm. and the fact that my training needs to go to a different level for me to compete in this race right so, so when you did your first one what was it like for you you know actually my first one was a tough mutter. i saw okay. your tough mutter shirt too yeah i got me into it
1: and then one of my friends was like you should do spartan because you can actually compete i'm like "Ooh, you said compete
0: <laughs> so mm. said <laughs> <so, laughs> um, word
1: <laughs> it was it, you know uh, it was very humbling honestly you know spartan race came to seattle and there was two events back to back it was the beast and then the super mm-hmm. and actually it was all three so I'm like, you know what? I'll do both in one weekend. So I remember I did the beast on Saturday. Again, very hard. I couldn't walk home. I barely crawled into my car. <laughs> I went back home. And my wife, my wife is like, are you okay? Are you hurt? I'm like, no, I'm not hurt. I'm just really sore. I've never been this sore in my life. Yes. And I mean, that 13 miles, that was, I mean, several hours. That was, that was harder than the marathon, in my opinion. Oh yeah. Anyway, I remember in the morning, I had to go do the super the next morning. <laughs> so <laughs> I rolled off the bed because of how sore I was. And somehow managed to get in my car, picked up my friends. You know, they were doing their first one the second day. I did my first one the day before, and then yeah. they're like, "You okay, man?" I'm like, "I don't know if I can do it." But <laughs> I bought the ticket, so I remember I couldn't even stretch. And then the uh, second day, they start doing the aru, the warm up, the you know, the jumps, and then the energy kicks in for some reason, all the pain goes away, and yeah. I'm like, "I'm just gonna walk the day." End up just going all out the second day as well. Then I of really course. couldn't walk for like two days after that. Mm-hmm. um it was a really humbling experience as you know i was heavily into bodybuilding and just powerlifting. i was very strong i was 250 pounds yeah very hard race for me so I, I said enough is enough i'm gonna do more cardio so that got me into um endurance races i started doing more marathons and halves and you know triathlons it got me into ironman so i think spartan races will really got me to want to be not just bigger and stronger I wanted to be healthier, and I realized yes. heat has a lot to do with health, and you know, I learned that vascular is the most important thing out there, Enough, I've lost a lot of weight, and but also, this is the healthiest out there. And not the strongest, not the fastest, but the healthiest. Yes. So I would say, I owe it to Spartan Race that really humbled me up to really go back and look at my nutrition, look at my weight, look at my cardiovascular health. Uh, it changed my life. Like it's, you know, it's
0: truly when people say, could it change your life, it can if you take it seriously, and it, it did for me. I agree. Like people ask, ask me why I keep doing it and why I keep doing it because like, I've had multiple sur- surgeries. But the thing I like about it is that I like the challenge of it. But each one, especially when you do different different regions, because like up here in the northeast, there's a lot of mountainous races and then, you know, you go down south. They're a little flatter, but then you ha- like I, I did the one in Florida in December and there was like swamp miles upon miles of trudging through this swamp water. It was mm-hmm. just such a different type of mental headache. It wasn't even so much the physical part. It was just like, when are we getting out of this water? Not to mention there's alligators down here. <laughs> so it's like you get these all of these things going through your mind. But I keep doing them because it's it's a challenge. It's like, can I get through this? And like I said said in my opening speech, that it translates into everyday life. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you want something in everyday life, what are you willing to go through to get it? So right. when I bring my clients th- through these races and they reach those points, especially in the mountain races where maybe they're brought to tears or maybe they're starting to cramp, and it's like, how bad do you want that finish line? And and they want it bad. Like quitting is not an option. But then I'm like, but why do you keep quitting on your dreams? Yep. <laughs> you know, it's you like know. if you're so committed to crossing the finish line, yep. why aren't you committing to reaching your goals in life? No, the addiction
1: is real. I think yes. in, in many ways, you know, the word addiction is a bad word. But if you're addicted to the right things, and there's a lot of good stuff in that addiction world, right? It doesn't have to yes. be negative. My yeah. um, my brother's a professional mixed martial artist, and you know, some days when he's in fight camp, he's training three times a day. seen him before you know yeah and he's always sore like when i when i somehow miserably then he has to go into the sauna and cut 10 pounds and he's just passing out can't drink water yeah and you know when then and then he goes to work and one time he's like you know it's hard for me to complain about work because this is rest (laughs) i'm like let's talk about that for a second and we came to a conclusion he goes work should not be the hardest thing you do and in many ways it's almost like the pain that you choose to control makes the uncontrollable things like difficult customers, problems, you know, arguments at home, difficult friends. It makes all the other uncontrollable pain that's there easier, and yeah. that's why I think you know, Rob, you probably agree with me. Most people you know are successful are choosing to do some kind of a painful activity, whether if it's a marathon or Spartan races or triathlons. Like, why do you do it? Well, it's almost like when I don't, everything else just gets tougher. Yes, <laughs> <Right? So there's, laughs> so, a it's almost so true. Like a, subconscious, unconscious thing. Like I do it because everything else feels right. Yeah. It's maybe an hour to two of pain, but what is that compared to the
0: next two months worth of joy? I have because I accomplished something and I feel good about myself. Yes. Yeah, see, I, I love that you said work shouldn't be the hardest thing you do all day. I absolutely love that. That's why I was scrambling to write it down while you were talking. I was like, I, I want to remember that, that quote. Cause that that's huge. Cause, cause for some people, their work that is their identity. It's like, this is what I do. And it's 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 okay if you're within your passion. Like with me, I have no problem. You know, I'm a speaker. I'm a gym owner. I love that stuff. You know, I'm a podcast host. Like I love doing all of these things. So if someone's like, hey, there's Rob, Rob, the podcast host. I'm cool with that. You know, because I'm doing something that I feel like I'm called to do. You know, but it's just if you get the people that are just simply working for money, then it's like that's. That's not where all your energy should go. It's like like you're missing the bigger picture of why we're here. You know, it's like it we get here to help make other people better. That's why we're here. For sure, for sure. I was uh, the other day I, I came out of the pool
1: and there was a guy, he's like, Oh, you know, yeah, you were in the pool for a while. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, just a couple of races coming up and training, I have to come back later. He's like, Yeah, I've got three workouts, I'm like, three? I'm like, Dang man, that's that's a lot. What are you training for? He goes, I just want to do the best version of myself. I'm nice. like, Would you agree with the statement? The more energy you spend, the more you have. Yes. You don't have more energy by saving. He's like, 100 percent. Because whenever I'm doing less, for some reason, I have less to give. Yeah. I'm like, my man. Introduce yes. myself. Got his name. I'm like, I'll see you back here soon. <laughs> He's like, I'll see you soon. So it's like <laughs> weird people when they see each other. Like, oh, look, we're on the we're on similar level. I understand you. know. It's, it's very just Lovely. those little things sometimes. You know, when you see somebody working hard, and then little small talk about what your belief system is, and that's really believe. You know, Rob, you're doing a lot of things, right, between the podcast and gym owner. You're probably busy, right? Very busy. But Mm -hmm. in all reality, I think people like you cannot function in the day when there's not a lot of things happening. Yeah. And and the less you do, the more anxious you are, right? It's like anxiety kicks in from less. Well, most people think, isn't isn't there supposed to be anxiety from doing a lot? No, I think you find more purpose and ambition and you feel better about yourself, right? Less anxiety, more positivity, more motivation, more... It's like you're... You're a race engine that's made to redline. If you're not redlining, it's almost it's it's going to break. So you got to keep the RPMs up in
0: order for it to function
1: to its full potential.
0: Yeah. So even in the gym, the the ladies are always saying when they when they work out first thing in the morning, they're energized for the rest of the day. You know. Mm-hmm. So like it's 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 a scientific fact. Like you're because basically you're you're throwing logs into the fire. You mm-hmm. know. So you can throw logs into the fire. The fire burns bright, and that's what your body does whether it's your your energy or your metabolism mm-hmm. you know, right first thing in the morning you're revving it up you're revving it up to a high capacity mm-hmm. and then you ride that high the rest of the day yeah it's like, it's, like it's, you know, no one's been lazy all day long and stuffing their face with right. junk food and felt good about it at the end of the day no one has it's 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 i think it's if you had an option to inject yourself
1: with dopamine every morning with a needle well that's kind of weird right but you can do your yeah. fitness Wake up, inject yourself with dopamine, good one-hour effort, and then get to work. Yes. Um, I, I did a cycling session this morning. You know, like the rest of my day is going to have a smile on my face. So, And also my team needs it. You know, one thing I noticed in business, Rob, is, um, you know, people like it or not, when you leave an organization, your team is going to admire and look up to you. And you, you don't attract what you want, you attract what you are. And often people that sure. follow you become like who you are. So when you're complainful about having a bad team, often it's the answer is in the mirror. Yeah. Right. So I, re- I realized, you know, I, my team needs me to come into work to make sure I'm in the right state of mind. I need to have the injection of dopamine and, you know, whatever the happy hormones that my body creates from exercise in the mornings. Right. So and also, you know, telling them how many steps I have for the day and then they're kind of getting a little jealous and competitive. Right. So often I, I get asked to share a lot of best practices for business. And one of the things, you know, I was bragging about is how good of a team I have. Yes. But in, in all reality, you know, if I had a good team member and I had a good hire, and I got lucky with them, but I'm a negative person who always talks about news and negativity and how things are mm-hmm. bad, how COVID's impacting. That positive, good-driven team member that I hired would lead me to find somebody where they're more comfortable and vice versa. If I attract somebody just like me and I'm negative, they're going to stick around. So I'm going to create a team of negative, complainful, you know, just it's, it's, it's a mess, right? So yeah. often we attract
0: what we are. It's true. They come it's true. and they're comfortable of around, so stick around. Yeah, that's what they say. Birds of a feather flock together, and it's it's so true. I was in I was renting space at a gym a few years ago, and so the gentleman I was renting from he was a a firefighter, and you know, like a lot of first responders, you know, they have. And again, I can't put everybody in the same box, but a lot of them that I've met, they kind of have a certain like rough persona because of the things that they deal with. On a day-to-day basis, you know, I'm not saying it like they're bad people, but you go into accidents where people are mangled and people may may have passed away and like you got to have really thick skin to deal with that stuff. And so where this is relevant to the conversation is his clients had his type of personality. And Mm -hmm. so with mine, I'm very high energy. I'm like a big kid trapped in a 47-year-old body. And so it's reflected in the music that, that that I play. And I attract the people that like that stuff. And so it's like two completely different worlds in that facility when he's teaching his class versus me teaching my class. And I'm not saying it like there's anything wrong. You know, it's like everybody has their own unique personality. Mm-hmm. But it's just to illustrate the point that no matter what your personality is, you're going to attract the people that like that personality. And that was like the best example of it because, you know, he'd be teaching class. My clients would start coming in because my class was right after his. And they're all like, it's so quiet. Everybody's so serious. It's like no one's smiling. No one's talking. But that's what that group needs mm-hmm. to succeed. You know, and, and there's, noth- there's nothing wrong with that. It's like once pe- people realize that like, when, when you're your authentic self, that's all you need to be. Mm-hmm. you know it's like you can't force people into your world just be you and then the right people are gonna come by your side right no i
1: agree i agree I And mean, you know a lot of people talk also you know be you but sometimes like the you needs improvement right you need yes. to smile more you need to forgive more you need to be more positive you need to yes. quit complaining right you need to you know they're saying uh um, no one cares work harder well people care it's kind of like a harsh saying but <laughs> yeah you got to work harder right you gotta you know um There's people that I was aspiring to become like, and I, you know, I was reading, uh, I was at the five o'clock club, I think was a book that was called a long time ago. And it said, just by waking up at five in the morning, things will improve. And I'm like, how? I don't even know. (laughs) I disagree. I fought it. And then then I remember for a while, I'm like, you know, enough is enough. You know, I had my first kid. I put on a lot of weights. I was really big. You know, I was heavy. I was strong. But at the same time, I did not like what I saw in the mirror, you know, so just by waking up five in the morning. It gave me time to think without interruption. It gave me time to plan my head day ahead. It gave me time to do my fitness things in the morning. So I had no excuses of not having time. I created more time. And I'm like, wow, it's very true. If I just find the people that I admire to be like, and just repeat what they're doing. One of the things is like, you want to get more positive and just happy with results. And i just get up sooner before most people. So you have less distractions. And that kind of helped me become the very person I want to be like, which also helped me to replicate myself more within my business. And, you know, it's like, I want my spouse to be more positive. Well, the question is, are you more positive? Because often when you said something, right, if you lower your level of whatever positivity or drive or coachability, you know, your partner does too, right? So, yeah, I agree, Rob. Like the the people you're training and you're coaching, um, you can have 100 people sign up. The 20 that are more like you will stick around. The other 80 will leave. But those 20 will bring more people who are like them because they're comfortable around those people. And you create the spider web of, Ro- mini robs right so yes. that's a very true saying we do attract and keep people that are like us and if we don't like our friends and don't like our peers uh that's when you need to do change like look in the mirror and realize like, what do i need to do what books yeah. do i need to read and who i need to associate myself with right
0: yes and i like i like what you said that y- you have to be better and i have several several talks where i, where I talk about how people upgrade their technology you know they they'll upgrade you know like their water bottles and like you know they'll upgrade their cars and all this other stuff but it's like what about you It's like you're still you still have the same operating system that you had from two decades ago. (laughs) You know, it's like it's like the world is different now. Interacting with people is different now. There's technology now. It's like, are you upgrading you to become who you want to be? Because I mean, yeah, a lot of my qualities are the same from 20 years ago, but perspectives are different. Right, you know, like I'm. i like 20 years ago. I was all about being the loudest, being the most boisterous, letting everybody know I'm the boss. I still let everybody know I'm the boss. I'm just not as cocky about it. <laughs> it's more <laughs>
1: like, socially accepting the way
0: you do it. <laughs> yes. I mean, some of my clients might call BS on that one, but <laughs> you know, when I'm in the gym, it's different. I'm in my element. Just, mm-hmm. just Rob Foster in everyday life, though, it's like I, I see things differently. I appreciate the little things more. You know, taking the time, like at my last spartan race, I was running for time and I w- I was making my goal. I was doing the sprint. I wanted to do the sprint in under an hour. And to put it in perspective, I've had three knee surgeries. So it's like Ooh. like I can't all out run the entire thing anymore. So I have to do it in breaks. But I have a pretty mean walk walk stride. So so anyway, so like I'm gonna get this in under an hour. And so I'm coming on the tail end of the race and I come to the rope climb. And there's there's a woman there. She just looks defeated, and the coach in me—it's like I go over, like I get ready to do my rope climb, and she's just huffing and puffing, it. she's like, "I can't do it." And I was like, "I can't walk away from her." And so I come over and I'm like, "Would you like a hand?" And she's like, "If you don't mind, you know." So I showed her how to lock in, and you know, I stayed there with her the whole way, encouraging and her, covering her. She rang the bell, you know, so I guide her back down, and she looks at me. She's got tears in her eyes, and she says, "That's the." First time I've ever done that nice. and that moment right there meant more to me than finishing the race and under and yeah, the sub one hour right yeah I mean granted I still got 101 <laughs> but but still but but just that moment because like she'll she'll never forget that moment she doesn't know my name I don't know her name but she'll mm-hmm. never forget that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's a big reason why I do what I do and why getting up at, I get up at 420 every day. But I get to, to have moments like that every single day. And that's mm-hmm. what makes it worth it.
1: That's awesome. And then,
0: and you know, sometimes you don't even know
1: how big that impact was. You think you made an impact, yes. but some people, it's life changing.
0: Yes, agreed. They need that. I, they have that. So before we dive in, into your backstory, so how, how would your best friend describe you? Ooh,
1: that's a that's a loaded question, Rob. <laughs> that's um, why I ask it. <laughs> you know, I, I think if you ask him, you'll know, say I, I I have difficulty saying no. I overcommit. Mm-hmm. Um the most positive person he knows. Uh hardworking, loyal. Loyal. Nice. Um, and he would also say I'm very cheesy. Yeah, he he <laughs> very cheesy. Um, you know, I, I have a random quarter of the day in most inappropriate times, according to him. But so, yeah, so I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that description. And I actually had, had to think about what would he said. Recently, we had the talk and he's like, dude, you're cheesy. I like it though. I need that sometimes because he's kind of yes. negative. So, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and if that answers your question, Rob, I would say, you know, I, you know, I, one time I, I, I was at a seminar. Uh, a gentleman wrote a book. It was called uh, Train Your Brain for Success. You know, I, we go to a lot of seminars, you know, but yeah. I, my goal is to always take one thing that I'm going to keep, you know, and one thing that I wanted to keep from this seminar was one thing he said, he said, if you can just be the most positive person in the room, you will be successful. And I needed to hear that because I was never the sharpest or the smartest or the biggest or the fastest, but I always thought to myself, I'm usually the most positive. I'm glad this man on stage said that because now I'm going to own that more. Yes. And I... Now I hold a sense of pride in making sure that people around me think Kai is the most positive person we know. Not yes. everybody would agree, but in most cases, I think people will. Uh, to me, that's very meaningful because um, I, you know, grew up poor, hungry, determined, and to me, become successful was important. And knowing the fact that I don't have to try hard being somebody else, I can just stay positive. Um, exactly. So that was a that was a big takeaway from that seminar, and I think again, my my best friend would agree uh, that positivity it takes a lot of work, in my opinion. You, you can't always be positive, especially when you run a team and I've got, you know, thousands of customers and I only hear the bad news. Sometimes I'm like, I'm like this, you know, guy with the fire extinguisher is putting out fires all day long. It's all I yes. do you know, work. But, you know, i not positivity, I think has been my biggest
0: asset in business and my family, my relationships. And I'm going to fight hard for it. Love it. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm not I'm not one to just push, you know, because like I said earlier, we're all different. We all have different personalities. We all process different like that's me i'm that the most positive guy in the room person as well and um you know we pretty much established that the last time you spoke it's like you know we're, we're both cut from that same cloth it's like no matter what's going on in your life like there's something to be grateful for and people are like well what if you lo- lose a loved one and i went into the story about losing my father and you know us ending care and watching him take his last breath like there was so much gratitude in that moment it's like but we get so consumed by the other emotions, whether it's sadness, whether it's stress, whether it's anxiety, is we, we lean into those so much. And now that's not to say I never stress or you never stress, because I'm sure you do. I just know that for me, this is what works for me, is the sooner I address the source of the stress, the sooner it goes away. You know, it's like, like I'm not the type to just sit and swim in it and figure out what's going on and all this other stuff. It's like, all right, how quickly can we make this go away? Mm-hmm. All right. We got to focus. We need to do A, B, C, D. OK, good. Happy times are back again. Yeah. You know, now, like, want to get back to that positivity as quickly as possible. But I also know there are people who thrive on negativity. You know, so it's like, you know, you just have to realize that you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And, and like that's something that I had to learn because I'm I like to be liked. <laughs> you know, that's just my personality. I'm a Leo. For people who are into the horoscope, Leos love to be liked. And mm. and so once once I realized, like you know, you're gonna get on stage, you're gonna give a speech. You know, you know, ninety percent may love it, but there's ten percent that might think you suck. <laughs> it's like, but you can't worry about the ten percent. It's like mm-hmm. you have to just pour into the ninety. Yep. You know, like that's my mentality, and that's how I'm able to stay positive now, even when I might get some not so good feedback. It's like, okay, noted, I'm not going to dismiss your feelings, mm-hmm. but these eight over here were feeling what I'm saying, and they want to take the next step.
1: Right, <laughs> you know, right.
0: So, like, I lean in there. So yeah, well now, Rob, I'm go ahead. sorry
1: to hear about your loss. And, oh, thank you. Know, you. My, my religious side says, but what would he want for you? Yes. To be happy. Right, yep. so you feeling sorry for yourself and your loss is not gratifying when he's looking at, at you from up above, right? So you you have to move on, Like You have to you have to find your happiness, right? You have to be like, what do they want me to do right now? Okay, you know what? I'm gonna find the positive in this. Yes, yes it's a sad moment. I agree. I've had some friends who lost parents. Uh, I haven't yet. Knock on wood. Um, but I put myself in the shoes of home. That's gonna be a tough one. But at the same time, what would they want me to do? Yeah, I have to do. That. I have to be tough for them, right? Yes. Um. No, I agree. I. I, I Rob, one thing you mentioned that really stood out to me, you said, you know, the social acceptance. Mm -hmm. I've always cared too much about what people think about me. And I thought it was something wrong because people are like, well, you care too much what others might think about you. And I'm I'm like, why am I, you know, most people care. And the ones who are like, you don't care, I think something's wrong with you if you don't care. (laughs) Like biologically, chemically, something you should care about being accepted. And then um, I, I came across a podcast, I was listening to a gentleman who's a historian and was breaking down why social acceptance is part of our DNA. He Mm -hmm. said, if you think about it, we all grew up in villages and, you know, little colonies and groups, right? And to you, that was your world, whether it was a group of 50, group of 100, group of 500, whatever size of your village, that was your world. Outside of it, you knew nothing. And often, if somebody wanders away from your village, they end up dead, right? A wild animal kills them. They get lost in the forest, die of dehydration. So acceptance meant life because if there was an occasional weirdo in the village, a rapist, Mm -hmm. a killer, a liar, and the committee would get around and vote that person out that equals to death as in yeah. you leave our village and the odds of you finding another one and getting accepted is like one percent like you were going to yes, die extension. they would find your body dead in the forest a week later yes so to get it to be accepted as part of your village was life to get rejected then you're going to die so yeah. imagine we have thousands of years of this in our dna thinking if i get accepted i'm going to live if i get rejected i'm going to die that's why I fear of rejection is in in our dna Yep. And when people ask, what's the biggest fear? And a lot of people say, speaking in front of a group of people, because that's a chance of a hundred people, like thousand people, like rejecting you at once. That's why a lot <laughs> yeah. of people biologically shut off on stage. And it took me a lot of practice and self-talk to get comfortable on stage myself. Yes. I couldn't speak to a group of more than two. Like if you told me that it's going to be four people listening to what I have to say, I'm like, oh, uh, I've been blessed to speak in a group of hundreds and maybe even a thousand before a few times. Uh, but it's it's you know, it's a muscle to get over, but it's also, it's okay to accept the fact that we are built to be beings that want to be socially accepted. It's
0: the life or death within our DNA. It's true. And I've said that on the show countless times, countless times. And and like what you were saying too, about dealing with loss, I, I tell people all the time, like what would they want to see you doing? It's like, do they want to see you laying on your bed in a fetal position You know, just beating yourself up because of their passing. It's like, I don't think so. It's like, I know my dad wouldn't want that. Like my my clients got me a 79 pound kettlebell and they dressed, because my dad was 79 and they dressed it up in like military colors and stuff. And they said, here, like, this isn't to be used in the gym. Like, we want you to take this home. This is in memoriam of your dad. And so I honored their wishes at first and I brought it home. And then as it, it, it's on the floor in my living room. And, like, every time I looked at it, I could hear my dad's voice. <laughs> what good is that thing doing on the floor? You know, you should be taking that thing down to the gym. Like, that's just how he spoke. And I could just hear it. And I was like, so I brought it to the gym. And at first the clients was like, no, we told you that's not for use here. I said, but you know what? It's about my dad. He said, if this is to commemorate him, he would want this in use. I was like, he would not want it on the shelf. So it's like I respect what you guys wanted to do, but I have to honor his wishes. So now everyone that uses it, it's like he's still here. Like he's still leaving an impact here, you know, just from them using that kettlebell. Like so oh, what an awesome story. Thank you. We live Thank close, you. I'll come and use it myself right now. <laughs> exactly, you know. All right. So let's let's talk about your your, your backstory. So coming from Armenia to the USA, I know there was a whole lot that you went through that you and your dad had to sacrifice. So take me through it. Yeah. So um, post uh, Soviet Union collapse where a lot of the
1: countries became independent, you know, um, you know, a lot of countries thought it was going to be for the best. It wasn't like our Armenia was on the country that really suffered. Right. We you know lost a lot of economic uh, support, you know, businesses, middle class pretty much disappeared um you were either you know extremely wealthy or extremely poor and you know you couldn't really work your way up to success right so it was either who you know what you know it really nothing to do with hard work um it's almost like being the hardest working farmer in the desert like you can Mm. probably grow a plant but you're not going to get anything out of them you know maybe just a little (laughs) leaf um the american dream got very popular in armenia in the early 2000s it was almost like you go to this country and all you have to do is work hard and be ethical and you know it's almost like a little too simple to sound too good to be true right And we heard stories of people going to america and they have bought a house and they have two nice cars they have a mercedes and a bmw like it's foreigner success thing right go get a house get a mercedes and get a bmw and you're considered successful right Mm -hmm. which is why if you have any foreigner friends that explain why they drive german cars um (laughs) and you know we we kept on hearing these stories so my father applied for a visa and then they gave a visa for him plus one which you know it's almost like I drew the short stick. My older sister couldn't go. She's a girl. My younger brother's too young. I'm like this 13-year-old would have been perfect. Plus, in Armenia, there's a mandatory two-year army service where if, you, mm. if you're if you there, you have to go serve. And it's not like here. Over there, it's kids are, kids are tortured. They get killed. There's, you know, one of my peers got accidentally shot in the ear and the infection wow. got to his brain. He had to, I mean, there's just so many bad stories about the mandatory two-year service where they lose arms and joints. They're freezing. You know, there's all kinds of bad things where they don't have seats in the room where they're sleeping, no food for days. So anyway, I the other motive was for me to go so I can not be listed on the army list service. So I don't have to go serve the two-year mandatory. So anyway, my father took, took me with him for what we thought might be a separation of maybe, I don't know, six months, maybe a year max. I didn't see my mom, my younger brother, and my sister for seven years. Wow, Uh, we didn't know the extent of how hard it is to make your first $10,000 to hire a lawyer, to get your visa paperwork. At one point we were illegal, our visa expired. My Mm -hmm. father and I were doing anything from cleaning toilets at the YMCA, where you can get this cash job from a guy who was delegating the work to him, to Mm -hmm. uh, working construction. We were working for pizzerias, delivering box, making pizza boxes. And I remember I used to compete in how many pizza boxes I can make in an hour. They would give us marketing (laughs) material, where we would go tape it on people's mailboxes. I mean, we did anything possible because an option, we didn't have a choice of not sending minimally 100 to $200 back home because that's the money that fed, uh, fed our family that was back in our Yeah, And, you know, not knowing English, not being connected, it, it was hard. I mean, it, I think the American Dream Store was painted to be much easier than it actually was, you know, go work hard. But nobody talks about how hard you have to work. And also, you can't just work hard in the desert. You have to find the right opportunity, you know, surround yourself with the right people. You have to stay positive. And there's, there's so many layers that I learned. And from age 13 to 18, I was grinding, you know, and finally, we were able to save up enough money to uh, bring our family. And I remember they came and, you know, my, my my dad was like, it's your responsibility to help raise your brother. You know, I, I did all I could for you. I'm exhausted. you the older brother, you know, you do your thing. So long story short, I mean, I developed a very pit bull like grip on opportunity. I got introduced to, uh, again, I did everything, you know, car sales, cell phone sales, and I was told learn to sell in america salespeople making money so none of that really made sense until i got introduced to the insurance industry at age 18 so i ended up working for an insurance agency Uh, i had a great boss at the time you know i put three years in and i remember the conversation was you spend one year learning the product of what you do you spend another year learning the business around the product and you spend third year developing your own business that's kind of what we did Uh, so i worked there for three years third year I remember going to, to my boss and I'm like, you know, I would like to apply to become an agent for the company we work with and the company uh, mm-hmm. State Farm, right? Yep. And then he's like, sure, here's a number to the recruiter. And I remember a lot of people were frowning upon that because nobody's ever done it at my age with our new contract. I was the only 21-year-old applying. And yeah. then again, I got like laughed out by some of the executives that were interviewing and here and there. And then I passed the assessment test and I was like, kept on going back, kept on going back. Uh, and then I got into the internship. I got introduced to a guy named Dan who was actually just texting me uh, that's the gentleman that was supposed to be doing a, a a speaking sharing thing today eleven, which I had to reschedule. <laughs> uh, it was his forty fifth day as an executive for the company, and I remember he's like, "You know what? I like you. I'll give you a shot. It's an eight month internship." He gave me like a Mission Impossible. He said, "You have to get names of two thousand people that would be your customers. So you have to cold call, door knock. I don't care. I need two thousand names within eight months." As you do all the licensing, all the training, and all the if, if you ever seen the movie Pursuit of Happiness, Rob. Mm-hmm. That was my internship. I was the youngest, okay. the poorest, the brokest. I would you know, <laughs> eat the snacks just so I don't have money to buy lunch. I would save all the money that were giving me, and I would just stack up because there was a grand opening day where I had to get in, hire people, and produce. Yes. So for eight months, I did the internship. I would wake up early. I would cold call during lunch breaks. I would cold call. My goal was to get 10 people a day. And I remember I had to do 150 cold calls to get 10 people a day, six days a week. I would rest on day seven uh, just to make sure I get my 2,000 names eight months. And I remember eight months went through it was my final skill check. I had to like, almost like defend my business plan dissertation and show them my results. Cause they gave yeah. me like, you're broke. Most of our candidates have six figures and all this business experience. You're nobody with no money. So we need you to bring us the names. I remember I get there. I got 1800 names. I've got the phone book. I burned through. I've got whitepages.com notes, handwritten, <laughs> notepad, you name it. Like I have a stack of just crap. I just put it on the table. I'm like, sorry guys. I, didn't, i there's no way i'll get another 200 in the next you know few weeks uh i guess i'm out and then there's like four people that are looking at my paperwork and then one of them is like i've been watching you uh you know we see we've seen that lunch break so we've seen people join you, you we're inspiring others to call call with you and then um you know we've actually never had anybody get even like 500 even thousand the fact you got 1800 that's impressive wow. And I was like, "You bastard, man!" <laughs> you knew <laughs> it from the beginning. And you know, my 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 coach Daniel became a good friend, and you know, we're still very good, you know, close friends. And he's he's a mentor figure in my life. One uh, value he taught me: he goes, "Those eighteen hundred names mean nothing compared to the lesson it taught you in the eight months that you were sitting down and calling. Like no one cares. You got to get better. You got to get quicker. You got to be more friendlier. Your voice has to change. You have to say certain words. It's not what you say; it's how you say it. It's the method. It's the follow through. It's." Learning how to dial quick, so I got very, very good. And to this day, I've been uh, doing this for you know 15 years now. I I coach and train and develop people. And I've had a lot of successful people come out of my office and become very successful multi six figure, seven figure entrepreneurs. Uh, and that's you know, again, was it really about the 1800 names? Uh, first year, I remember working, working my head down, and then uh, you know, like the year goes by, and I get this email: you're invited to this meeting, like top 100 agent meeting, which was like an honor. I'm like, holy cow, I get to go to meeting yeah. with these superstars. I'm like, yes, you know, I, you know, single guy with me, plus one. I took my brother with me and I remember going to this orientation meeting and I'm sitting down there like, now we're going to announce our like top 10 agents. I'm like, yeah, these, and I, I see the name number 10 and, and these are the names I've been, you know, this is an example. This is who you want to be like, right? this guy used to be a college wrestler and I was successful, he makes a ton of money. This guy's a huge team, yada, yada. And then it comes to number two. And then number two is like another guy that I admire. And then number one, I hear my name. And I'm like, did I just and I look around, there's like a my face is on the huge screen over there, yeah. like the like the president of the company's on the stage and they welcome me to go up and accept an award. I'm like, uh I turn I don't know what color I turn, probably purple. <laughs> I get up, you know, I shake hands, they're like, Do you have anything to say? I'm like, No. <laughs> so I grab a flag, I shake hands, I'm like, Thank you, I sit down and my, my mentor Ali was there with me. So- He's an uh, he's Arab, so he's his accent, you know, I love him. He's like, my friend, I took a lot of pictures of you. Here you go, here's a picture of you. Super <laughs> intelligent guy. Anyway, so I remember uh, going to the bar after that, and then, uh, you know, everybody was asking me questions. How'd you pull it up? I'm like, I don't know. I'll just sit down 12, 16, 18, 20 hour days, slept in the office plenty of times in the week. Single guy, it's easy. You know, like, that's, that's all I do. Yeah. Um, it was one of the most rewarding and, and not rewarding moments in my life, because that's when I really felt like I'm somebody. Things matter. Hard work really can get you places. But then I'm like, I'm 22, 23 almost. I am burnt out. Like, I don't mm. think I can sustain this. This is, I mean, again, it was great. I like the high five. Um, I like the, the the standing ovation, being on stage. But I'm like, I need to do something to maintain this. There's no way I
0: can keep this up for few more years. So. Hey, right, hold on. Hold on. Let me pause you right there. Let me write that down. We'll, we'll pick it back up at burnout. But Thanks. I, I want to go back to some some of the things that, that you were saying. So, every every guest that I've interviewed that have come here from another country has always stated that they don't understand how there's poor people here (laughs) because because like they come over like I, I had a guy come over from Israel he was not in the best of situations had a woman from Thailand same thing wasn't in the best of situation they come here like the woman from Thailand she was like you come you can. You can just you can just work. She's like you can just That's work it. one, two, three jobs, four jobs. Like, it doesn't. Matter. You can just work and just save money right. and right, just right. get the things that you want. She she's like I couldn't do this back home, you know. So um, so for your work ethic, do you think your work ethic was because of where you grew up and then having the separation from your family? And you knew that you had to make it happen. So is mm-hmm. that why you were able to, like, find those 1,800 people and to mm-hmm. prioritize doing what you had to do to rise up?
1: Yeah,
0: 100%. You know, at the beginning, I said I drew the short straw and came to America with my
1: dad. <laughs> yeah. A no, I, I pulled the long straw. I didn't mm-hmm. get a PhD, but I got a PhD of, of, of poor, hungry, determined, like school of hard knocks of the hunger to when I see the opportunity, I'm not going to let go. Yes. Right, and, and you know, my mentor Dan, uh, he was actually speaking at my team event I had a few weeks ago. And yeah, born and raised here, very successful. Again, he, he taught me the cold calling game, he's done it himself. So, what impresses me more is about somebody who's born and raised here who has that foreigner mentality. And you know, what one thing he said at my team meeting that my, my entire team is by the foreigners, right? <laughs> I attract them my own kind. And, and he said, Guys, one time I went to a seminar and there was a very successful multi millionaire guy. He said one thing he stood out to me, he said, If you can just have the foreigner mentality, the immigrant mentality, you will be successful. He goes, it doesn't mean you have to move from another country. The immigrant mentality means, like, work your ass off. Like, you shouldn't have free time. Like, I don't get this, so I need my rest and sleep. Like, you can sleep when you're dead. Like, okay, sleep (laughs) when you get there. But in all reality, that that mentality is, like, why aren't you working? Like, why are you complaining that you're out of shape? Like, stop eating crap. Just wake up sooner (laughs) and jog. I can't jog. Walk. I can't walk elliptical
0: swim, <laughs>
1: you swim. I don't want to move. you know? So when it, 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 I think one thing that my dad was, you know, when I saw him, how tired he would come home from like a 12 hour construction day and he would look at me and say like this, son, you do not want to grow up doing this. Learn a scale. Mm-hmm. And there were so many moments where I was working for an, you know, the agent when I was, I was not making that much money. Right. This is not the reality. Like I was working hard, but he's like, I need you to stay in that office. I like knowing that you can come do construction. We can make more money together. But my son is learning how to make money with a pen and a paper. Mm-hmm. Like to us, it's a privilege to come to a place. I can type and pick up a phone and make as much as the guy who's doing busting his butt off in construction, which is what I did for for years yeah. with my father. I'm like, yeah, hey, okay, I'll take this This is easy, right? <laughs> so knowing the fact that where I come from, Rob, it's hard work doesn't get you anywhere. It yeah. does not. I'm sorry to say this. It's not the opportunity, like. And I'm not saying America is the greatest country. Yeah. There's a lot of countries that you can work hard, but to me, it's the greatest country because this is the country that I worked hard and I got all the results in my life. Everything I have, everything I'm thankful for, none of it was easy, none of it was handed to me, and everything was a result of hard work, including my fitness goals, I have great relationships with my family, I've got great kids, so I've got great friends. I have one of the, actually, we just got a result in last year, my, my, my business finished number one in our Pacific Northwest. Awesome. I, again, my team is not hardworking just because it's because they're like I can start working socially. So it's almost yeah. like you attract your own kind. So that that foreigner, that mentality, huge. It's a perspective. Like, yes. When you're born here, it's 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 hard to understand how hard it is in other places. This is just work hard and don't go against men's and God's laws. That's it. Three things. Mm-hmm. Where where I come from, it's forty-seven things.
0: Yeah, I spoke to someone who does missions in Africa. And she said, you know, there's poverty here in the U.S. She's like, but when you go to other countries, it's next level. It's like next level. She so, said, yeah, so you can take one of the worst inner city projects here he's like but there's still hot water there's still food you know you still have clothes you know it's like, it's like you still have the basic necessities of life whereas if you take the poorest village in africa or and anywhere else she's like it's you know people don't don't even have access to mm-hmm. medicine you know food it's it's just things that we can totally take for granted here you know Rob, like like you were talking water
1: was luxury yes. for me when i just
0: got here Yes. Yeah. Like when you were electric. talking earlier about about those things, the first thought that popped into my mind, I was like, yeah, and we break our cell phone and we think it's the worst thing ever.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, in, in, our, in uh, my
1: city, Yerevan, the capital, uh, yep. we had no electricity during the day. Mm. Uh, kids were outside and, and not making up a story, but 100% yeah. true story. We're playing outside until we can't see each other. And every night we'll probably get, I don't know, it was like five hours or six hours of electricity. We, the, uh, the city couldn't afford to provide electricity all day long.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, compared to like some places in Africa, we're like heaven where I'm, because we would get electricity at least, you know? Yeah. We didn't have any water. The, the pipes didn't have enough pressure. We didn't have a system to pump water into the 10-story project buildings I was living in. So the na- people that lived on the first, second floor would get water rest of them had to carry with buckets. There's outside water that was wow. food. literally, I would, I would carry a lot of, it was cardio. You know? So I would get <laughs> water upstairs to my mom. And and I remember mom would prep food to get ready to cook when the electricity would come on at 9 p.m., Wow. 10 p.m. And I remember we we're outside, dark as night. And we're playing, we're falling. By the way, better childhood than my kids are having. My kids have everything. They got Xboxes, flat screen TVs in every room. They're living yeah. in a very nice neighborhood. Like, it seems nice, but I'm like, they're missing out on the greatest job that I had. I, I grew up outside. It was so fun. Like I, I learned mm. social skills. I learned my immune system is probably better because I kept on eating dirt by falling, you know, playing soccer <laughs> outside. And we would play, and I remember lights would come on. The entire neighborhood, would b- 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 lights would just boom. And we would look at each other and scream. And literally, this is what we would say, lights. And we would just sprint into the house. We'd like run up and turn on the TV. For those who had TV, I had this box of TV. I remember barely would work. would hit it inside with the sheet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we and had one of those. Kids, we would stick our heads out the window and scream, Hey, Rambo's on Channel 7. And those like, Rambo, no way. And then one guy's like, my TV's not working. I'm like, come on over. Again, that was a childhood. And again, you put that kid in America, and you just tell him, you just got to work 12, 14-hour days, make 150 cold calls, have 30 people yell at you, five people might say yes, the other five might not work with you. I'm like, that is simple. But... In all reality, uh, depending on the standard, that could be like mission impossible. When I tell some of the people, like newbies come and I coach a lot of newbies in our business, like, like what would you have to do like to pull off the numbers? And you're still 11 years in your agency, you're still pulling these big numbers. I'm like, well, if I told you some might get excited, most would be like, that's way too much. Most would be say it's way too much. Hike, how'd you run a three hour, 11 marathon? You're 205 pounds. Sounds cool, right? <laughs> three eleven at 205 pounds. If I told you how painful the fifty mile weeks were, you would yeah. not want to even commit. Exactly. I've had two people join me, like, oh I guess it's too much. I'm like, But it looked cool on Facebook when I posted
0: it, right? You want the <laughs> results? you gotta put in the work. Exactly. I, I always say it's an it's an open book test. You no know, like when people come to me in, in the gym all the time, I'm like, guys, like this isn't rocket science. You have to drink enough water, you have to eat clean seventy-five percent of the time, you gotta train three to five days a week. You know, like it it is what it is. It's like you got got to take take your measurements because, you know, you want things that you can track. Like it's not all about measurements, not all about weight, but you want things that you can track. And you have to be consistent. It's like if you're constantly looking for the next greatest entertaining thing. Like I tell people all the time, the name of my gym is RBF Fitness. And I always say it's not RBF Entertainment. It's like I'm not here to entertain you. It's like we're not doing – theme nights and nothing against the gyms that do that stuff. I'm just all about business when it mm-hmm. comes to when it comes to that stuff. Like if you want to get stronger, we need to do ABC. If you want to run faster, we need to do ABC. It's like and as long as you do ABC consistently, you will reach your goal. Yeah. Kind, of, kind, of, kind of like you said, 150 calls a day to get those 10 people. You do that consistently. Now you have a team of people and you're running a highly successful business. But you were willing to do what was necessary. I think you even said that earlier—that you did what was necessary to get the job done.
1: Yeah, yeah. Pain of discipline weighs much less than pain of regret. Yes. this is painful, but regret
0: is far, far more painful, and often you can't handle regret. Yes, yeah. it's so true. I mean, regret leads to to so many, so many things. Like there was a study. I know I mentioned it on this show before. There was a study, someone interviewed 80 people who had terminal illnesses. And their number one things, their number one regret was not pursuing the things that they, they were passionate about. And mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that happens so much, especially here. I mean, I can't speak for, for other countries, but I know it happens here because we're spoiled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we are so, so spoiled yeah. here. And like like I said, you know, we'll we'll break our cell phone or something, and it's like. You know, we 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 need to hibernate for a weekend until we get a brand new phone. Yes. Like, you know, it's like we're, we're just so spoiled here that we don't we don't we don't allow ourselves to struggle, especially now when everything is so fast. Because mm-hmm. even in my childhood, you know, I I grew up in the woods, and if I needed to, to know something, I had to get on my bike and like I would ask my dad, and my dad would be like, "Go look it up." <laughs> oh, okay. You know, when you're a kid, you're thinking, "Wow, why don't you just tell me?" <laughs> so, yeah but like he wanted to instill that that work ethic so I'd get on mm-hmm. my bike I'd ride my bike 5 miles to the nearest library you go to you go to the library remember they had the Dewey decimal system where you had to like look up the little card and figure mm-hmm. out where where the book is and um but but, but yeah but I had to put work in to find my answers now it's like you text somebody if they don't text you back in five minutes your world is over yeah you know it's like we don't know how to struggle anymore we want everything handed to us, and if it's not handed to us we don't want to be bothered right there isn't enough struggle
1: i agree Mm -hmm. that has a lot to do with motivation and and just perspective and you know the unfortunate unfortunate part about how adaptable we are we will adapt to pressure like tomorrow we become homeless we'll adapt Yes. But the thing is luxury makes us very entitled. Like again, a little vulnerability right here. Yeah. Rob, i I am far from like always hungry ambition. I, I, I feel like, you know, when you get there, it's I have to I have to work so hard not to feel entitled. Like mm-hmm. we're buying tickets to World Disney for me, my two boys and my wife, right? My wife's like, Should we get first class? I'm like, Yeah, might as well. You know, we got the points, you know, yeah. let's enjoy we've been working hard. And then mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, crap, that's four times more expensive. But you know what? Am I being spoiled? Do I deserve it? And I have to like self-think to myself on like the last jog. Is that wrong? Should I continuously like coach to humble myself? And I'm like, you know what? And then again, self-talk like is that bad? But at least I think the fact that people can have that is important. You know, I have Mm -hmm. to remind myself like it's – it's, you know, don't, don't get too good for yourself. Right. Don't yeah. get too good for your business. I've seen a lot of people's businesses fail because they become the CEO. They no longer take complaints from customers that delegate that as well. Right. Mm. So don't get too good for yourself is a big reality check when you get in there. Yeah. Um, at one okay. point, there's some points in my life where I was like, I, I felt that way. I'm like, I'm not taking that complaint. You take it. And then I would mm-hmm. like demotivate my team member. Like, wasn't, well, is not hike supposed to have our back, you know? So I went uh, right away, hop back in and, then you know, lead by example, kind of a deal. yeah and recently we bought a house. Uh, very nice house, very nice neighborhood. I'm, um, our neighbor's house is on the water and ours is not. I'm thinking to myself, I could have spent more and been on the water. Oh, he's on the water. I'm like, what is wrong with me? man? just <laughs> reality check you've got friends who don't have a place to stay, and I'm mm. sending money back to Armenia, they can eat food, and I'm here talking about being on the water. What the hell is your problem, dude? You know, mm. again, okay, that's that's what success does to you often, yes. And it, when I can kind of see why. You know, people might say money's root of all evil. No, no, it actually amplifies who you are, and you have to have a reality check that it's not making you better than others. You just tend to have a little bit more money, but you're still the same human being. You can, God yeah. gave you everything; you, He will take everything away from you, right? So, yeah, calm down. So again, <laughs> I I have a lot of that to myself too. So, and I think that's what what has kept me maintenance through achieving success in business, which by far I still have a lot to achieve and a lot to learn, and a lot of people to coach and mentor me. Um, I think fitness, fitness has been one thing that's no matter what, how cool and how fit you are, it's always hard. Like this morning I was doing a cycling session and I'm going back to prepping for Ironman uh that, that's like concession. you you're passing out the, the last interval it was a four minute <laughs> interval bar it was a 175 the entire time wow i'm like i don't care how good you are i'm dying like if mm-hmm. I'm, gonna to be, I'm gonna pass out right so that's so the true. reality like of doing hard things to bring it back Self to like i'm a human you know i, I don't care uh, you know because it's it's easy for me like i come to work or hike as the boss It it gets to me sometimes so, yeah I want to say that as well. I don't want to come
0: off like things are perfect. No, they're not. <laughs> no, see, and, and you had you had that moment with the plane tickets. I mean, I don't want to talk for you, but it's because you know what it was like to be poor. You know what I mean? So like there are people that don't know what that's like. And so just the fact that you hesitated... Shows that you don't have that feeling of entitlement. It's like, should I do this? Like, I don't know if you're familiar with the motivational speaker Eric Thomas, but I went to I went to an event of his down in Miami, where you know he he was homeless. He he's his story is you know he was homeless. His mom kicked him out at seventeen. He used to eat out of trash cans. He used to sleep in abandoned buildings. And now, same thing. He went to work. You know he he found out. He, he had a superpower, like he and his business partner, they were just doing speak uh, talks around school at Michigan State University. And it just one of his videos went viral. And now he blew up. He's got a nine figure business now. But, wow. you know, he put that work in. So he says, you know, now when I book my wife on first class, he's like, because she was with me when I had nothing. You know, she's like, we, we deserve it. We put the work in. He's like, we give back to the community. He's like, I've helped other people become millionaires. He's mm-hmm. like, I can get on that plane. I can get on first class with a clear conscience because yeah. I put the work in. I give back to the community. Now it's my turn. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I love that description. Like, I've never heard it broken down like that yeah. before. I was like, that I'm was amazing. That. Rob, I'm working on it. I, I still
1: have sense of guilt when I gratify myself and I do a little bit of a luxury. i have just... Um may, maybe I'm, I, I needed a little bit more like deserved but again I have this guilty feeling every time yeah. I try to do something like when I buy a nicer car then I'm like uh, yeah I don't know but I can afford it so I'm like I worked hard for it but I'm like did I really work hard maybe I should work harder You know, so, so <laughs> that guilt is I think it's more of a post-traumatic stress disorder of being a lonely mm. child in America for seven years with just dad missing mom, brother and sister so yeah. I have a lot of I think demons within me that I'm fighting uh, but yeah. again it's more of a blessing than a curse because i Choosing to put that to work versus blaming and saying, Oh, I was separated, I'm a victim. This yes. was hard on me. I got bullied. I got I got jumped by kids because I couldn't speak English. I mean, again, all that stuff I think has been part of my PhD. My yeah. my, my degree, School of Hard Knocks, 4 only Determined
0: Degree that I, I am so proud of that I don't have anywhere to display. <laughs> so <laughs> It's so true because I have that same that same PhD. Just travel traveled the country. You know, went to seminars, went to masterminds, you know, hi- hired several business coaches from different different areas of things that I needed to learn. And then just doing it, just getting out there and do it. Whenever people come, and say, Rob, I want to st- start a podcast. What's, what's your advice? Just take out your camera and just record the first episode. Do it right now. Like just pick a topic because then once you once you do that, that fear goes away because getting mm. started is, is the hardest part. Same thing in the gym. I remember uh, I was training a couple of friends in my garage when I first started and then I took a job at a Gold's Gym. Up in Foxborough, Massachusetts, and it's right by where the New England Patriots play. So a lot of Patriots players would be in the gym, and so I remember teaching my first class. I get up on this little stage, and now like I don't have stage fright. But a lot of fear, like you were saying earlier, comes from a fear of judgment, but that fear of judgment comes from things you're not a hundred percent prepared with. So it's like I knew I knew how to train people, I know how to train athletes, and like I was just freshly certified, and so here i'm I'm up on this little stage, and then twenty eight people come in the room, and I was like crap wow (laughs) i was like they're all looking at me for guidance and motivation and i turned the music on i started the warm-up and then everything just took over and it was a great class people were high-fiving me they were saying when's your next class And, and it's like too many times we defeat ourselves before we even give ourselves a chance to shine right you know what I mean? Like, that's that's where it comes. I got up on that stage thinking, who's going to hate it? What if people leave the class? So I just went through all these negative what-ifs. And now I'm like, what if they love me? What if yep. they love you? What if you write that book and it's a bestseller? What if mm-hmm. you get on that stage and you wow that crowd and you sell thousands of dollars from the mm-hmm. stage? It's like, there's so many better what-ifs you can do than mm-hmm. all of the negative what-ifs. Yep. Now, mo- most of those
1: limitations are self-imposed. Most. Yes. Yeah, again, like, I committed to my first marathon. It took me six hours. I remember, like, I walked. Mm-hmm. You didn't know about salt pills, quads cramped, hamstrings oh, yeah. cramped, calves cramped, chest cramped. I'm like, why would your chest <laughs> cramp? a marathon, dude. Yep. Um, pickle juice now. Yeah, they, they gave me, you know, like, medic station pulled me, massaged me. They, like, dumped a bunch of salt and Gatorade. i drink it. I'm like, why are you pouring salt and Gatorade? That's weird, you know? Uh, you, know I like, you should be running a marathon, 250 pounds, dude. Again, self imposed. I'm like, I can. So I increased that limit. I did it, and, you know, it's it's been a great journey right to almost figure out what are you made of really mm. if it's a fearful thought to commit something that's the right thought right the journey yes. if it's if it's difficult if it's easy you're on the wrong path if it's difficult if you're struggling if it's you know the you know there's a saying um some of the best lessons in life are a uh, a black eye empty pockets and a broken heart it's very true yeah we're avoiding a lot of those things that's the problem i think a lot of people are choosing the soft side and again, that's one thing I, I think in in America. I'm I'm I'm, I'm an American Armenian, right? So I'm, I'm realizing uh, there's so much comfort that it's so easy to have. Like you just click a button on your phone and you press the button on the remote control. You call DoorDash, whatever. Like it's just yeah. it's very it's the country has made it to be very comfortable, very comfortable. I think that's why obesity rates so high. That's why you know heart attacks are so high, divorce rates so high. Uh, it's easier to leave. A problem. It's easier to divorce and fix it, right? Sometimes because yep. it's a, it's an instant gratification, and I think it's that true. ease has
0: disabled a lot of people. There's too much ease, too much. Uh, we're avoiding difficulty, unfortunately. See, and it goes back to what you said earlier too about your first Spartan Beast. How it was rough. You couldn't walk. <laughs> you know, your whole body was hurting. And I told you with mine, same thing. I went into a cocky by mile one. I was already humbled. It said three miles plus it ended up being five and a half. (laughs) So so it's like (laughs) (laughs) oh God, it was hell. But then it's like I finished that race and you know you alluded to it earlier too. I finished that race and I was like, I need to train harder. I was like, I need to do this better. So I'm not I'm not gonna let that race kill me like that. And so I I did that one solo. So I went and got I think there was like eighteen of us I want to say from my from my group and we we trained up and we did it, and everyone was like, "It wasn't as bad as you thought it was." I said, "I was caught off guard last year." <laughs> I was like, "But experiencing it, I now know how to train for it, which means yeah. I know how to train you guys for it, and and it made it better." Then same thing, my first Spartan Beast was in Killington, Vermont, which mm-hmm. I'm sure just being in the Spartan world, you've heard that name because mm-hmm. <laughs> that that race is insane. That mountain is insane, and same thing. That race took it to where I am now, because you know the training went to a certain level. I hit a tough mudder on the mountain that made it go to a different level too. Yeah. But then that Spartan Beast was like, I crossed that finish line. I was like, what the f just happened? Um yeah. well, question.
1: Is it, you yeah. Know, like halfway through the race, your heart rate's like jumping out of your chest. You know, like you just you can feel the pulsating in your head. Do you ever yeah. like what the hell am I doing and why? Do you
0: ever yes. question yourself? Yeah, right? honestly, I've done that Killington race six times. Yeah. All six times, I'm like, "Why am I here again?" It's crazy, yeah. No, and it's, I'm doing it this year.
1: Yeah, me too. I actually, uh, my last part was September. It was a um, it was a super, then in a sprint the next day. Okay. Uh, so the last one was a sprint. My goal was to try to crack an hour, like you. Yeah. And remember, I remember, you, know, you can't slow down when you're trying to crack an hour. Like, uphill, you can't walk. No, you yeah. got to pump those elbows and just. Jog up that hill, you know. Put the bucket on your shoulder, like I'm gonna crack this hour, right? Yes. And I think my heart rate was probably 175 the entire time. And mm. was just thinking to myself, I'm like, I, you know what? Next one, I'm take it easy. Yes, I'm gonna take it easy. So I, I hit the goal. It was like 54 something, you know. Nice. And then, and then, uh, and then I go home. A few days goes by. I'm like this. I'm
0: going to crack 50 minutes next time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. So, See, yeah. and, and that's the competitor in you. See, And, and that's why you're successful in business. Because you have that. It's it's about staying hungry. It's what the great Les Brown always says. He's like, stay hungry. Like when you stay hungry, you're going to constantly find ways to challenge yourself. And it's right. like, I, I was supposed to stop obstacle racing when I hit 50 races. Because I was told I'd never run, run a jump again. So once I started doing them, I was like, you know, I got, I got into the double digits, say, you know what, I'm going to hit 50, then I'll be good, because I don't want to wear out my knees fully. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, then I got to 75, and then I got to 100, and then uh, 150, and I'm at uh, 160-something now. Holy so, cow. <laughs> <that's a moderate laughs> yes, yeah, so it's like, it just keeps going. I have about 20 or so on the books for this year. And uh, I it, like I said, I just I just love the thrill of it. The ones I do with my clients, I do it more so for them, help them overcome their fears help them push through the mountain climbs and all that. But then there's a few of them where I'm like, "All right, guys, this one I'm going solo." And that's because I have to know what I'm still capable of as well. And it it just keeps it keeps fueling me. And pe- people are like, "Yeah, but you're doing the same obstacles over and over." I was like, yeah, but in my mind, I have my own goals, right? You know, so it's like, all right, I want to get across the monkey bars in under ten seconds. I want to get across Twister in X amount of time, and like, I just give myself those goals. Or I find people because of my knees. I have to start slow in the beginning. So when people take off running, I'll zero in on one, and I'll be like, I want to capture that person by mile four, <laughs> and, and I just just get get to work and get it done. But that's what moves me. So it's like I always encourage people. It's like, what moves you? Right. It's like, like what moves me? That doesn't have to move you. But what moves mm-hmm. you? So like, what's the best way to get you through this? Like, do you want to be a good example for your child? Do you want to prove to your husband or your wife that you can do it? It's like, what is it? But, th- but then you have to take that and actually run with
1: it. Right. And stop trying to be reasonable with your goals. You yes. Have to... Yes.
0: Let
1: them scare you. That's it. That's a good place yes. to start. Yes.
0: Yeah, ha- have you done an ultra?
1: Uh, ultra, no, no. I mean, Ironman is probably closest I've done to anything. That's long race, uh, okay. but not an ultra run. My peers are thinking we can totally see you doing a hundred mile run hike. I'm like, I'm still two hundred five pounds. <laughs> <It's
0: good effort. laughs> no, I meant the yeah, the Spartan ultra. Oh, the Spartan. No, that's the is that the twenty six mile one?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's thirty. Oh, it's thirty. Okay, no, no, I have not yet. I have not. Okay, yet. yeah, it's I want like, to get my... with uh, triathlons this year. Okay. Um, I have more passion for Spartan just because you can be a heavy guy and do well because, again, I, some of these light guys get ahead of me, then they get to the, the tire flip. They can't even get off the ground. Yes. Just, whoop, and I just, yep. you know, so tire flip I, I like the bucket Spartan carry. More than marathons yes. and triathlons, to be honest. So mm-hmm. I have a couple of fireman races lined up this year. I'm going to get done. I think I might uh, pursue the ultra next year.
0: Nice. Yes, yeah, so I was just asking because my, my first stab at it, I didn't make it. You know, it's like my it was on uh, it was on the mountain in New Jersey. And I finished that the tail end of the first lap. There was a mean sandbag carry. Like it was. Oh, God, it was so mean. Like my knees can still feel it just thinking about it. And and I knew when I came back off the mountain with with the bag that there was no way I was going to be able to do another full lap. Mm -hmm. And so I had to take the L and in my bedroom, I still have that purple penny up on my wall you know, for the one that I didn't do. Like like I said, like, I don't just keep all the good stuff. It's like, no, that one destroyed me again. And Mm -hmm. that was another way that my training had to had to advance, had to evolve. And so I ended up doing one, I ended up finishing it. And I still have that penny next to the other one just to remind me, it's like, don't just, don't just brag about that one, because that's the one that actually changed you. Mm. You know, it's like it wasn't the one that I finished; it's the one that defeated me, that right. sent me into a different mindset. It's like, my it, it, and I'm competitive, and I'm fit, and that broke me down. Right. I was like, so I have to get better to get through this. You're inspiring me to want to sign up. Um, no. <laughs> actually, last year, there was a um, half iron distance local
1: triathlon. I really mm. prepped hard for it, and um, I messed up with nutrition. Night before, I had too big of a. Um, Oatmeal dinner, and then I had some more in the morning. And apparently, like, that's not what my body's used to. I'm usually fasted, right? I, would, mm. I should have had a banana, energy gel, and gone, you know? Yeah. So I get to the race, I put on my wetsuit. It's a um, uh, 1.2 mile swim, which is, again, it's half the Iron Medicine swim, 56 yeah. mile bike, and then a half marathon. Okay. And, you know, I get in the water. Usually, I'm like mid pack to maybe 75 percentile of swimmers, you know, maybe, you know, 50 to the top 20, depending, you know, so I get out of the water mid-pack. And for some reason, like my legs are not kicking in under me. I'm, I'm like, why? What's wrong? <laughs> like, okay. I'll get a bike is my thing. And then running is really my thing, you know? So yeah. um, like maybe on the bike, things will get better. And for some reason I get to the bike and my entire body's cramped. I can't even get my wetsuit mm-hmm. off. And I barely like somehow get a manage to get on the bike. And I kept on cramping on the bike. And then the last, like, I remember five, six miles left, I caught up to, I passed probably hundred cyclists. I got to wow. uh, position number four. And I'm like, man, this crap needs to go away. Like, it's bad. Like, my quads, <laughs> hamstrings again. Like, what I'm taking in gels. I'm taking in salt pills. But apparently, everything was just sitting on top of the oatmeal. Nothing was being absorbed.
0: Gotcha. Um,
1: again, I can't get off the bike. I fall off the bike. I change it tomorrow in gear. I'm like, you know, usually they say survive the first three miles. After that, you know, three miles in, it gets worse and worse. The most painful 13 miles where everybody just passes. So. That is the, and after that, I did a, um, a half-iron distance locally that locally the came. Ironman came to Washington, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Did really well. I killed it. Um, did it, My goal was to do the sub-five hours. I did five hours and two minutes, which I'm very proud of that time. That's still uh, damn good. And I was going to end it there. But then knowing the fact that I got off the bike fourth and my running is better, I'm like, I have a chance to win this entire local race, which is a pretty competitive race. So this year, I'm like, I'm going for first place. So I'm going to give it my all, not going to have oatmeal breakfast and I'm going to see what I'm capable of this year. And then I think yeah. I'll graduate from triathlons this year and uh, get into more Spartan, potentially do a little bit more MMA with my brother. Oh, nice. Okay. Love Let's it. Let's see how that goes. I mean, he, he kicks my ass. I just want to be able to keep up with the guy, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Wow. Time flies, man. Yeah, for so, sure. you uh, are having a good time, right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so um let let, let us know. I mean, I have all of your, your links in the bio the bio section anyway, but just let people know where where they can get in touch with you. Um
1: you know, I have a website, Hike dot Um, you know, I have a copy of my book on there, you know, I've like a like a video series I built for like training. Uh, mostly best way. Uh, I've got my book on Amazon, the the power of mindset. Actually I sit down um pretty much wrote my story kind of like what i shared through my first year in business and then i went from working in the business to working on the business i talked about the principles of what i believe american dream to be there are 14 chapters with 14 lessons it talks about family fitness finances and friendship. so the book is on amazon uh again the power of mindset by uh, as far as getting a hold of me through my website there's a link again hight.org uh people can contact me some people ask me questions about the book um you know some some uh what is it called uh free free labor right i do a lot of coaching and i enjoy it i i love giving right so when people reach out i'm struggling here i have some questions there business you know relationship i don't have perfect answers but i've got good stories that i've learned from myself so i've always liked to give back because a lot of good mentors and people have directed me and led me to at least finding my what i believe my success to be so um i'm all about giving back to the community and people so
0: that's awesome i mean like it says up above us, you know, your true power lies in your story. And, you know, just for your dad, mainly making that decision to separate from the rest of the family, to give you guys a better life. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's mm-hmm. huge. Cause you ask most Americans, they'll be like, we ain't doing that. <laughs> you know, well, there's like, a lot of foreigners who'll say the same thing. True. True. They'll like, it, you know, my, I say, say this quietly, cause my kids they didn't know this, but I was looking at, uh, a job, it was because I've always wanted to be on TV. And so there, w- there was a job, it was out in California. And I was like, oh, it's like, I check all the boxes for this job. And I always tell people, like, the only time we have is now. It's like, you're not promised any other time. Like, so when opportunity presents itself, you have to be willing to take advantage of it. And so then it's like, I got in, in communication about this job, but that at the tail end, I was like, I can't do it. Like, <laughs> like I have joint custody with my three younger kids, and I was like, I, I, I can't, like, I can't do it. <laughs> you know, it's like even though I think they would understand, I think my ex would understand, but just still, at the end of right, the day, right. I was like, nope I can't do it. So, like, you know, when I first heard that story with you, I was like, that's that's amazing. Like, even even if you don't tell any other part of your story, just those seven years is enough to move anyone into action. Yeah, so those were a blessing of seven years for me. Yes, uh, absolutely.
1: That, that I'm, I'm thankful to God for letting me think that way because I can see why a lot of, um, I, I would have had a lot of reasons to use that as a, I got unlucky, right? It's, mm. it's, it's more of a curse than, no, It's it was school. That was my school. Yeah. Never got to go to college. Well, I did a little bit, but that was my college. Love it. See, and look at where you are now.
0: appreciate it. <laughs> it's so awesome.
1: I, I love hearing your stuff, too. And
0: you inspire me to go after that ultra. I'm, I'm going to have to awesome. buy my tickets and put it on the calendar. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Yeah, like a group group of us are going down in, uh, I believe we're doing North Carolina in in May, I think. Like, one of the girls, see tweaked their hamstrings, so we're not sure. Because I I'm said, like- I'll only do another ultra if... My daughter had expressed interest in doing one because mm-hmm. she she does all these races with with me like she's done multiple beasts. I think shes I think, I think she's done 30 36, 37 races I want to say so far and, but she she mentioned the tail end of last year that she would she would want to do an ultra because I said I have one buckle, I'm good. I'm like I, I don't need to do another one. <laughs> but I was like, if you do one, I'll do one with you so. How long does the ultra take like eight hours? Well, well, again, because of my knees, I do a lot of walking. So the, the one I did took 11 and a half. Oh, so that's a long race. Yeah. yeah. So like if you're able to run, I think like average is like 8 to 10, I'd say. Okay. And then some people take 10 to 14 so gotcha. just just depends yeah no right, I always commit I just want to finish and then Go I'm ahead. killing myself so. yeah yeah that that's what my goal was I think it was right around mile 18 my legs were like lead Absolute lead and then by mile 24 I'm like when is this done I was like why 32 miles yeah yeah like my son uh, I have twin boys one of them actually had an appendix rupture so he was in the hospital during this time. And I remember talking to him and I was like, but I was like, there's, there's really not much I can do for you here. <laughs> I was like, so would you be mad at me if I went to go run that race? Like, but we could FaceTime every single day, multiple time, times a day. And I was like, but I want to do that race in your honor. You know, And he and he was like, yeah, dad, go go, go do it. He's like, cause he, he knows I've been training for it and stuff too. Mm -hmm. I went out, I bought a big old treadmill that inclines to practice on the hills and all that. And and like, he knew I was putting all the work in. He's like, yeah, he's like, like, I'm, I'm good. He's like, I'm good. So even in the middle of the race, I actually stopped and I called him. It was right around that time where my legs were lit. I was like, bud, how you doing? He's like, I'm doing good. He's like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm dying. (laughs) Like I'm in hell right now. (laughs) I was like, but hearing your voice, Gives me the power to keep going, you know. So it's like, go, Dad, go, go, crush it. That's a prime example of when parents
1: are like, "I want my kids to do this and be that and be positive and get good grades." Well, the question is, what the the, your first mentor is your mom and dad? Yeah, what are they doing? That's your like by default. That's your first mentor, right? What what are your mentors doing?
0: Yeah, it's true. It's so true. Good for you. I love that. See, and that came from my dad. From my dad, I remember um, in his. 60s I want to say he had, he had he had a mild heart attack and so again and it was on I believe it was a tough mother weekend I want to say and so I remember talking to my mom and I get my dad on the phone and I was like I think I'm, I'm gonna cancel my my race and I'm gonna come up to, to the hospital he's like don't you come to this hospital he's like he's like don't you let this stop you from completing your your goal and I was like are you sure? I was like, "What? What if something happens to you?" He's like, "If I die, what are you gonna do?" <laughs> I was like, "Fair enough." <laughs> so <laughs> he's like, "Go, go do your race." He's like, "Don't worry about me." And I was like, "Okay." You know, yeah, so like, yeah. that's so like he's the one that put um, that in. A lot of your uh, father's values were passed down to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm one of seven, and he was he was always there for all of our stuff. You know, like we were all athletes. And so he was at the basketball games, the field hockey games, track, soccer, baseball—like you, you name it. He was—he was just always there, and he was just always us first, us first, us first. Mm-hmm. But he also always led by example. You know, mm-hmm. like he was always like the shut-up shut and grind mentality came from him. Mm-hmm. It was like, I, like I, I never saw this dude throw in a towel on anything. No, like he was an engineer. He was constantly building stuff, and mm-hmm. if he wanted something a certain way, he figured out a way to get it done. Like he just, just did. And so same thing w- with us, the way he pushed all of us. It was just always focus on the goal. Don't worry about, about your competition. He's like, worry about the goals. Like if you focus on the fundamentals, doesn't matter what your competition does. I was like, okay. And like, but we just had just constant lessons like that. You know, like he taught us to don't make excuses. You know, yeah, people might look at the color of your skin. He's like, help mm-hmm. help them see past it. And he's like, you know, you just focus on the task at hand. Like mm-hmm. you do that, nothing in life will stop you. Yeah, I love that. There was a I saw a picture. You know, like when you ask your
1: children, like first grader, go to school, and then you have to like pre fill the blank and what there was a question. My father is, mm. and then and then and then the, some kid wrote down my father, and then crossed off the is and says always makes time. You know, so ah, I'm like, I man, I would love my child to write that, you know, and I felt mm. pretty good the last, you know, six months I've been, you know, we opened up another location and spending you know, a lot more time. I've been studying for this investments exam and we move. So, um, and the principle I talk about in my book, Rob, is I talk about the four pillars, right? I talk about family, fitness, finance, and friendship. And I talk about how there is no balance. There's no order. It's always like this, right? But the key yes. is like focus on the next pillar. I used to think there was an order, right? Cause I talked about how I achieved mine and then I went back and rewrote the entire book. Cause I'm like, when you write, if things make more sense, there's definitely no order. Like right now, I'm prioritizing, like moving forward for the next quarter, family is number one.
0: See, and speaking of family, give me a hug. My my kids are leaving. (laughs) Bye. Hello, how are you? (laughs) He's saying hi. (laughs) That's my um, young, that's my younger daughter. I'm going to be spending more time
1: with family uh, because I've been devoting too much to business. So that's my, 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 um, my next quarter. So, and then, you know, fitness, bringing that back a little bit because I kind of toned it down for the last like three, four months. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to put business a little bit at the, at the end right now just because I've been putting too much time. So. Yes. And it uh, sounds like you have the same priorities, same belief system, Rob. That's that's really, really good to hear. Uh, yes. But, it's, it's it's never time off, though. There's always something
0: you're working towards. Oh, yeah. Always, always. So like when, One thing I've done with my kids is like in in lieu of celebrating Christmas, you know, and some some people think I'm crazy for this. But in lieu of celebrating Christmas for their birthdays, I take them all away. You know, individually, they, they get that one-on-one time because I have five. You know, so like, you know, when you're part of a big family, it's tough to, to give everyone the attention that they want when you go away. Because, mm-hmm. you know, this one loves heist, This one's afraid of heist, This one loves to go fast. This one doesn't want to go fast. So, it's like, it's tough to please all of them. And so, I started taking them away. So, like, um, Caitlin, the one I just hugged here, I I started it with her a couple, in 2019. I took her to uh, the Magic Kingdom and did Disney for her 13th birthday. And she was on, on cl- cloud nine, you know, because it was just the two of us. And so, mm-hmm. she got all of the attention. That's awesome. I, then I brought my older daughter to Hershey Park in Pennsylvania, and then same thing, you know, she got all the attention. I brought my twin boys when well, I kept them together, but I brought them just down to the Cape, the Cape in Massachusetts, and I brought them to Vermont. And again, they had absolute blast. So hiking, went to to the adventure center, and you know, they got to do like mini. It's not really bungee jumping, but it was like 30 feet up, The harness up. They got to jump off of it. And my son was just so scared at first, but then so happy once he did it. So it's like making those memories, that's what, that's what matters to me more mm-hmm. than just giving, I don't want to say mindless, but just giving things that they really don't need on Christmas right. Day. So I started doing that. Like my, my daughter now, in a couple of weeks, will go into Arizona because she's big and in, into rocks. So we're going to fly into Vegas, you know, we're going to take her, let her see all the buildings and stuff stuff in Vegas. We're going to go see the Hoover Dam. There's an Indian village on the way to the Grand Canyon. And then we're going to go to the Grand Canyon so she can see all the rocks and stuff. I love like, that. And and that's something that she's never going to forget. You know, mm-hmm. at 15, she'll never forget that trip. You know, if I get her a bunch of, bunch of stuff, yeah, she'll be happy for a couple of days. And then she's going to go back to playing with the stuff she usually plays with. Yeah, you know, but, but that, the, those memories will never leave her. And like, that means a lot to me.
1: I love that. No, I'm, I'm going to steal that from you, Rob.
0: I'm I honestly <laughs> going to steal that from you. My, my kids are little; they're five and seven. I've got two. Yeah. But,
1: um, again, my time with them, there, there's going to be one day that's going to be the last day I hold their hand or the last day I pick them up, you know, so yeah. they're growing too fast. I'm trying to cherish the memories. And uh, you got me thinking about, you know, one thing is, you know, when I'm one day I'm going to die, right? Yeah. What will my family, what will my kids, grandkids, what will they remember me by? Is it that busy dad, the businessman, the the athlete? Or are they going to be like, he made time? Like when I saw that picture, I'm like, he made time. Like, man, I want to, that's what I'm going to,
0: that's what I want to be. It touches your soul. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) When you're a parent, that's a whole different ballgame. Yes, so true. Oh, man. I feel like we can talk forever. You know, I'll have to have you back on again and uh, continue the conversation. I just got to get ready to get back down to yeah, the gym. Yeah, no, we
1: can do a, another one. I can spend we can spend another hour talking details in the book. Uh, yeah. There's a couple of really important things I would, uh we can talk on a second show. I pulled in my mentors. I pulled in a lot of lessons, and then uh, uh, we'll have to share some more. We definitely won't have time today. I got to get to a meeting as well. Yeah. Uh, but until okay. till next time,
0: we'll love to catch up again. Robert. I, All right, I, yeah. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, you as well. I'll reach out to Lily about scheduling because um, I leave I leave Mondays and Thursdays open because right now my usual days I'm booking into um, the middle of May, but I won't have you wait that long. So I'll get you back on and we'll, yeah, we, we can spend the ent- entire thing talking about the power of mindset. We'll make time, Rob. Sounds great. All right, man. I appreciate having me on the show. Really, really means a lot. My pleasure. Nice talking to you. Likewise. All right. Take care. All right, so that was Hike. This was an awesome show. I knew it was going to be. He's one of the few that I actually spoke to before the show because usually I meet people five minutes before the show airs. But um, I knew this was going to be a solid conversation. And so we're definitely going to get him back on, going to get him on one of the all-star panels as well. And so I hope you got a lot out of this. If you tuned in later, make sure you go back and listen to the whole thing. Until next time, shut up and grind. and grind.